Hello, and thank you for tuning into the radio broadcast ministry of Crossroads Baptist Church. I am Pastor Jeffrey Lynn. Today we are going to study an incredible passage of Scripture found in Mark chapter number 8. If you are able to open your Bible with me this morning, I encourage you to please do so as we study the Word of God together. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you so much for all the wonderful blessings that you give us, Lord. Your word tells us that you daily loadeth with blessings, Lord, and we're so thankful. Lord, help us now as we seek to learn from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mark chapter number 8 and verse number 22 is where we're going to start with our scripture today. Mark chapter 8, verse 22, the Bible says, And he cometh to Bethsaida... And they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, and put his hands upon him, he asked if he saw aught. And he looked up, and said, I see men as trees walking. After that he put his hands again upon his eyes, and made him look up. And he was restored, and saw every man clearly. Now he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town, nor tell it to any in the town. Here we find an incredible story of Christ healing a man of blindness. This is an impressive feat, but it is also a very important step in proving who Christ was. Look with me, if you would, at Isaiah chapter 35, verses 3 through 5. Isaiah 35, 3 through 5. The Bible says, Strengthen ye the weak hands. And confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Verse 6 says, Then shall the lame man leap as in heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing, for in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. Now this, of course... Uh, this passage in Isaiah is a prophecy of the coming of the Lord. And, and we see there in verse number 5, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. Uh, you look also at Isaiah 42 and verse 7. The Bible says, To open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. All throughout the Old Testament, we find men of God doing miraculous things, through the power of God, prophets of God calling fire down from heaven, praying to stop the rain and praying to start it again, even raising the dead back to life. What we do not see in all of history from Adam till Christ is we do not see any who are blind receiving their sight. That is what the Messiah will do. That is what Isaiah tells us that the Messiah will do. And in fact, in Matthew chapter 11, verses 3 through 6, when John the Baptist from prison, sends his disciples to ask Jesus if he truly is the Christ, the Lord uses the example of the blind receiving sight as evidence of who he is. Let's read the verses. The Bible says, And said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and shew John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who shall not be offended in me. Still today, Christ is in the business of healing the blind. Second Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4 tell us, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world 
That's a little g God. If you have a King James Bible, that's the God of this world that is Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Satan blinds the minds of them which believe not. He blinds the understandings of unbelievers in an effort to keep them in their state of unbelief. He knows that as long as they do not believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they belong to him. John 3 verse 18 says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, that is on Jesus Christ, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. But we know from our own lives that the veil of darkness and unbelief can be pierced. If we continue reading in 2 Corinthians 4, where we were earlier, we find verses 5 and 6 saying, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. According to John chapter 1, verse 9, we are all given light by God. But when man chooses to refuse that light, the blindness sets in. Just as with creatures that live and dwell in darkness and in caves, they, when you don't use the sight that you are given, you lose it. Sometimes all it takes for the blindness to go away is for someone to lead that blind person, that spiritually blind individual, to Jesus Christ. To tell them that there is a Savior. Look back at our story in Mark chapter 8 and verse number 22. Let's, let's look at that verse again. Just catch our bearings a little bit. The verse said, And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. I'm so glad one day somebody brought me to the light of the world. I'm so glad at one point in my life somebody introduced me to Jesus Christ. I was blind, now I see. So we have this man who comes to Christ in darkness, totally blind. Keep keep in mind, today we consider someone legally blind, even if they still see a little bit. The Bible refers to people with bad vision as people whose eyes are dimmed. When the Bible says blind, it means blind, black, nothing. If you've ever been down in the deepest parts of a cave and they turn off all the lights to show you what complete and utter darkness is, that is what we are speaking of when the Bible says that someone is blind. So if you remember the story in Mark chapter 8, Jesus spits in the man's face, heals him. Now he can see light. Now he can see color. Now he can see shapes and movements. He's no longer blind. He can see. 1 Peter 2.9 tells us, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should shew forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. If you are saved this morning, you no longer dwell in darkness. You are in his glorious light, and he will keep and preserve you for eternity. You will never face outer darkness. Praise God for that. We see this man, we see the blessing that it is to be saved from darkness, and I think every single person listening would agree that if this man were to walk away at Mark eight twenty four, he would be a great fool. Why? Because Christ may have saved him from darkness. He may have taken away that complete and utter blindness, but he hasn't finished perfecting his sight. He's still not seeing the world clearly. 
Today, churches all across this land are filled with professing Christians who are saved from darkness, praise the Lord, but at some point they stopped letting Christ work on them. They are Christians with blurry vision. They see the light, they know the truth, they know the general direction they are going, but their doctrine is fuzzy. Their beliefs are fuzzy, and they are easily led astray because the path is blurry. If you listening today have bad eyesight, you know that without your glasses, life becomes more difficult, more frustrating, more dangerous. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 16. Ephesians 6, 16. If you're familiar with the Word of God, then you know that this passage is talking about, is part of the what is called the armor of the Lord, <clears throat> the armor of God. Verse 16 tells us, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, if I were to hand you a shield and then have people throw darts at you, which would be a, kind of a, a rude thing to do, but if I were to do that today and you were holding that shield and you were in that battle, would you rather have one eye or two? Would you rather have clear vision or blurry? It's a pretty obvious answer that if your life is on the line, if there are dangers around, if you are in a battle and in a battlefield, you want to be able to see unhindered. You want to be able to see clearly. Every day as Christians, we face temptations and trials and stumbling blocks are put into our path. And so many church-going Christians face it all with blurry spiritual vision. They trip up, they get misled, and then they get upset that God allowed it to happen. But is it truly God's fault? In Hebrews chapter 13, we read, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. First Peter chapter 5, verse 10. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. God desires us to continue on to perfection. First Timothy 2, 4, Bible says, who will have all men to be saved, praise the Lord, and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Not just saved, but to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. Not just saved and satisfied with that. Saved and continuing to learn and to be able to be changed by God. John chapter 16 verse 13 says, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will shew you things to come. God gave us a guide, the Holy Spirit, to lead us into all truth. He wants to keep working on us once we're saved, but a guide does little good if we refuse to follow. We get saved, praise God, I hope you are. Christ says, okay, I need to work on your feet. You haven't been going to the world with the gospel. I need to work on your hands. You haven't been serving. I need to work on your knees. You haven't been praying. I need to work on your voice. You haven't been speaking of me. We often allow God to work on us when we first get saved. Second uh, Corinthians 5.17 tells us, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We first get saved. We want God to fix us. We want him to make us what he wants us to be. But for so many people, somewhere along the way, we decide, I can see well enough now. 
Don't change anything else, Lord. I, I don't need you to perfect me. I like the, my life the way it is. I like my level of commitment the way it is. A.W. Tozer said, Complacency is the deadly enemy of spiritual progress. The contented soul is the stagnant soul. I pray enough. I go to church enough. I know my Bible enough. But if God desires my perfection and God is urging me on to that perfection and I stop and refuse to continue forward, even if I don't withdraw backwards, my unwillingness to move causes me to resist God. Sitting in churches across the land today are people who God is trying to bring to perfection, but they will not budge. People who ought to know who the great harlot of Revelation is. They want to know about the end times. They want to learn about angels and miracles and great Bible characters. And none of that is wrong, but rarely do people want to learn about how God wants them to live today, right here and right now. James 1.5 tells us, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. God will teach you as much of what you need to know as you want to know. God will teach you as much of what you need to know as you want to know. God isn't going to force you to grow as a Christian. But consider the man of Mark 8. We said already that had he left after Christ took the darkness away, he would have been a great fool. Well, why? Because Christ wasn't finished perfecting him yet. He couldn't yet see clearly. I wonder today, will you allow Christ to continue his work on your life? Will you leave complacency behind and make an effort to learn more about Christ, to do more for Christ? I hope that at the time of this broadcast that you're saved, that the blindness has been removed from your heart by Jesus Christ, and that you know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die. Luke 19.10 tells us, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. If you're not sure that you're saved today, you can be. God's plan of salvation is clear in the Scriptures. Namely, in Romans 10.9, which reads, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. If you are saved, thank the Lord. My question that I hope you will consider today is this. Do you want clear vision? Do you want to let God work on your life and make you perfect? Or are you complacent? Are you stagnant? Are you the one who sees men as trees walking? Or are you the one who sees every man clearly?